Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Southern Fried Podcast, a production of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. I'm Rex Nelson, Senior Editor of the Democrat Gazette, and boy, I'm, I'm happy. Not only is it spring, but it's baseball season, and so we're, we're talking baseball again today. Rusty Meek, CEO of our own Arkansas Travelers Inn, uh, Rusty, dogwoods are starting to bloom, azaleas are blooming, grass is greening, and that means it's time for Travelers Baseball. I put the team on the bus when I was coming out this morning, and they're on their way to Frisco, Texas to start tomorrow, so it's here. Yeah, a- absolutely. It is, it is so exciting to see the start of the season. There is a lot in the next 30 minutes that I want to get into because there have been a lot of changes in minor league baseball. Uh, I think people have read stories, even in our paper, that they may be confused about certain things. So I want to walk them through that. But before I get into all of that, let's let's talk about the upcoming 2022 season. I want to start with the biggest news over at Dickey Stevens Park, and that is you've got a new state-of-the-art video board, which which I saw uh, the Traveler play-by-play man posted over there watching the national championship game in basketball on Monday night, which is a pretty good use of that new board. But it looks great from the photo. Yeah, it was a good test for us to do. Yeah, it's it's one of the bigger ones in minor league baseball, and we're super excited to have it. It works. It's, it's going to be beautiful. It's really going to change the way you know, minor league baseball is so much about the fan experience. Mm-hmm. And this is really going to change the way we can interact with our fans. We were limited with the old video board, and so we're really excited for this new one. It's going to be – it's pretty awesome. It's bright, too. It, we we kind of had to adjust the brightness on it because it was affecting the lighting on the field mm-hmm. from the lights. It was so bright. So that was one reason we had it going on Monday night to get that adjusted. You know – Everything about technology, as we all know, has changed multiple times in the 15 years since Dickie Stevens Park was built. So not only is this going to be greater for the fans, but in those 15 years, we've seen things, Rusty, like uh, all games being live streamed where people can watch them. And now with the new board in high definition anywhere in the world, we've seen, uh, you know, scouts now going online, uh, a lot of them, rather than being in the stands, uh, people with uh, the Mariners watching. I, I mean, it was from a technology standpoint, in the modern world we live in with so many people accessing games from a digital standpoint, it was necessary, wasn't it? 100%. And we had to get all that new, brand new HD video equipment as well. You know, and so it, that was a big, and that was required by Major League Baseball for mm-hmm. this year. And yeah, it, it is huge. So many people from not only just around the United States, but the world even, are watching minor league baseball now. And they're streaming it. They want to see these prospects coming up. You had guys like Julio Rodriguez last year. We've got George Kirby this year, you know, one of the top prospects in the Mariners system. And so they want to watch these guys as they mm-hmm. come, come through. And so, yeah, it, technology in minor league baseball has, has changed tremendously over the last five years. And from when I started 12 years ago, I mean, it's nine-day different. Yeah, it, it, it really – and I'm sure it's going to change even more than we can even imagine over the next 15 years. But, again, it was a necessity from being a minor league team with a professional affiliation. You had to have it. But it's going to be great for the fans and add to the fan experience. They're going to be able to see a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be able to do replays that we've never been able to do before, you know, show those type of things. Just the like the interactiveness we can do with the fans is just going to be next level. It's going to be a, a lot of what they see at other big venues. 
All right, quickly, uh, I know there's a lot, but maybe hit some highlights. Uh, anything from the fan experience we need to know about new foods, new promotions, things along those lines? Gosh, we've got a lot. <laughs> we, uh, we have so many new things this year that we're excited about. Brand new POS system. It is going to be so fast. Point of sale. Point of sale system, correct, yeah, with, with Appetize. And we are so excited for them. They're in Globe Life Stadium. They're in a lot of big ballparks. That's Texas Rangers down mm-hmm. there. Um, really excited about that. Going to be able to offer some, you know, cashless places that we have that we haven't had before. Brand new hot dog this year, Nathan's Hot Dog. Yes, I saw that. Nothing screams baseball more than that, in my right, opinion. It's right, right. No, it's it's just you associate it with, with baseball. Extremely excited to offer that. We're going to be offering uh, lemonade in every concession stand this year. Last oh, year, it's, it's always just been in one place. Uh, new funnel fries, which we're pretty excited about. They're like funnel cakes, but but from the funnel fries. Some new options in our upstairs suite level and, and partner with some local restaurants on, on getting some catering options in there. But, yeah, I mean, we're really excited. We're, we're going to be offering Wi-Fi upstairs as well in some of the suites and, and maybe in some areas in our ballpark. And so we got a lot of new going on. We're pretty excited about it. Yeah, yeah. A lot going on at Dickey Stevens Park. Two years ago, no baseball season at all, of course, as we saw the onset of the pandemic really hit us in March, and we kept backing up the date. And finally, just no way. Last year, a late start, a lot of new requirements for games early on. Really, this is the first normal season in three years, isn't it? You're exactly right. Yeah, I mean, we got a 69 home game schedule. It is our first normal one, like you said, in three seasons, and it's hard to believe. It is, and it's almost it's been a little difficult to be honest because we're so used to all these you know protocols and challenges and way of doing things, and now this year, kind of the the range are loose, so to speak, and we can kind of go back to normal. And we're just having to get used to that. You know, last year we were having a good example of that is um, last year we had to take three different buses. Mm-hmm. And everybody had to be on the team from a team travel standpoint. It was hard. And, and this year we're back to just normal two buses and we don't have to worry about things like that. And it just makes our jobs a little easier for sure. A- absolutely. Let's go back. And I know these aren't good memories, but let's go back two years ago in the spring and kind of walk me through the next two years. How? You know, a whole organization that's built around a baseball season and you don't have one, how did you survive the pandemic? We got very creative, which, you know, minor league baseball uh, front office staff members will pride themselves on that. And we did, you know, everything from movie nights on the video board. We were outside venues so we can do things, Mm -hmm. right? We were able to do that. Uh, Frisbee golf, some little concert type things we were doing, just a lot of a Halloween festival, just try to get as creative as we could to try and keep some sponsors that we had and then also have some fans out there. You know, one thing I'm really proud about of our staff and, and, and you on the board, a lot of our board members know this, but we didn't make any changes to our full-time staff. Exactly. We, we kept everybody on board, and I, and I, I, that, I applaud our, our organization for being able to do that. I have to believe that the Travelers were one of the few clubs in minor league baseball not to furlough, lay off anybody. I've only heard of four, and we're one of those four. There may be more, but I've only heard of four. Okay. And we're one of those. That says a lot about the financial condition of the team. So you had to get – you had to get creative. You had to uh, try to plan new events. And then last year, now we've got vaccines. People are starting to get those vaccines. I mean – 
I, long story short, I have a son with an autoimmune disease, so we'd been careful to extreme and hadn't gone anywhere for 13 months. So I just started to come out at the end of April last year uh, after my whole family was fully vaccinated. So even then, a lot of uncertainty. When are we going to start? Like you said, talk about, you mentioned the buses. Talk about some of the other regulations. I mean, I know you were highly regulated on the who could come on the field, for instance, and that's so much a part of minor league baseball, the between innings promotions and yeah, so well, forth. You know, we, we got our schedule for this season. We got it in October of 21. Mm-hmm. For the 21 season, we got it six days wow. before our first game. You know, that it was firm going to happen. Uh-huh. That's how quick it was. So we didn't have much time to plan for it. But, yeah, there were all types of, of protocols. We were about 85% capacity for most of the year up until July, and that was required by Major League Baseball mask. Um, I was the only person that was allowed to be around the team and go in the clubhouse. I had to be tested twice a week. Mm. Um, so it was definitely challenging there. We did have to wear masks for the first few months inside of our, our season. The fan interaction was very challenging. We couldn't allow the team to get autographs. That's really hard to tell a five-year-old that he can't it, go get an really autograph. Is, yeah. it, it broke my heart. Um, hopefully, towards the end of the season, we were able to finally change that. It just it was it was nice to have it because we didn't have it in twenty, but it just was not the same because minor league baseball is so intimate. It's it's way more intimate than a major league team, you know, mm-hmm. baseball game, in my mm-hmm. opinion. And and that was taken away from us last year. Uh, and so this year, we were able to do all that, the autographs, and, and, and really that fan engagement uh, we can bring back. We, we can have on-field games and national anthems and those type of things on the field again this year. You know, last year we had to have certain sections. We couldn't be, you know, in a certain uh, vicinity of the players, and that goes away this year. So it's, it's really going to – fans are going to see it just like it was in 19 for the most part. There's not going to be, you know, big differences. Yeah, yeah. Great to hear there. Another big change happened in addition to a pandemic over the last two years, and this is where I want you to really walk fans in because it has totally changed the structure of minor league baseball that we've known all of my lifetime, and I'm over 60 years old. Uh, I mean, after decades, we saw, in essence, minor league baseball being taken over by major league baseball. Everything flows through the main offices in New York now. Kind of walk us through, because I know that has affected every aspect of your operation. It's completely changed the way we do things. Major league baseball kind of took over. They've always been – Kind of our distant cousin is mm-hmm. what I like to call it. Now they're our big brother. Uh, I hear from them almost every day from the New York office. And a couple years ago, they kind of took over the entire minor league system. They completely restructured it. They cut 42 teams, and now there's there's single A, double A, triple A, and, and what they call low A. And so there's 120 teams total. Uh, with that came all these new facility standards that they're requiring. Uh, and they're requiring all these facility standards to be fully uh, in place by 2025, but really in 2023, which is just a year away, mm-hmm. which has really affected what we've done. A lot of the changes we've had to do this year have been because of that, but but everything flows out of MLB. They, they tell us how to do things, and a lot of the protocols from last year came from them. You know, we're under the MLB umbrella now, which honestly has is, is, is been a good thing. You know, it's, it's certainly different. We have to report directly to them. But, but they have been really tremendous to work with. They've been great partners. But it's, it's definitely changed the way that we, we operate. Um, and, and these facility standards are, are a challenge for everybody, but we're working as hard as we can to make sure, you know, that we have those. 
And, and, you know, another thing this year that we really had to do is provide housing for all the players. Mm-hmm. That was part of this whole thing as well. So Sophie, our GM, has done an unbelievable job of getting that set up. And we have apartments fully furnished for every single one of our players and coaches that are here, which is a great requirement. Big change. Big yeah. change. And all these requirements and these facility standards that they're requiring are necessary, in my opinion. Um, you know, we need a female locker room. We need, you know, new lights, new field, those type of things. These are professional athletes and big-time players, and, and Major League Baseball wants to offer them. You know, they colleges nowadays have unbelievable facilities, and so mm-hmm. they, they do. they're used to that. And then they come to minor league baseball and not as great, and then they go to MLB and they're amazing again, and they want them to be, you know, somewhere in that middle range here. And so it, it's a good thing. It's certainly a challenge. Uh, it has definitely, like I said, changed the way we do everything and operate. But – we're under MLB now, and, and I think it, it they're able to do more things, you know, with the streaming of minor league baseball games, promotions, advertising that we couldn't do before. Mm-hmm. And so it helps grow, grow the game, in my opinion. We had a story on the Sunday front page of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette recently about negotiations that you were in now with the city of North Little Rock. And again, I want you to walk the average fan through that who may not understand that the travelers don't own the ballpark they're in. They lease the facility from the city of North Little Rock. Warren Stevens of Little Rock bought the land, gave it to North Little Rock contingent on it passing a temporary sales tax, which they did to build this beautiful stadium. But it's a North Little Rock City Park. In essence, you lease it and to renew that lease, and I'm trying to make this as simple for people as I can, Major League Baseball is going to require that all of these various changes be in place, correct? Correct. So we've got, yes, we pay rent to the to the city of North Little Rock every year in April. We have until 25, like I said, to be fully in compliance. Our lease runs through 26 with the city, and then we have some two five-year options that are available. We cannot sign those options until these facility standards are done. MLB would not let us do that. And, and yeah, we've been in negotiations for, for a while. We are, I think we're, some people can get confused. There's a big difference in maintenance and repairs and capital improvements. Exactly, huge um, difference, two difference. different things. Yeah. And, and we are responsible for maintenance and repairs. Greg Johnson, our superintendent, does an unbelievable job. I'm biased, but he's the best in the business. I agree. Opinion. Our ballpark looks amazing, and that is solely because of him and his team. And we're responsible for all that, for mowing the grass. We, we do all the service contracts, you know, for trash, for uh, AC units, all that. We pay for every single bit of that. We do every bit of what the lease requires us to do. We may make capital improvements. We can do those if we wish to do them. We're not required to do them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have done capital improvements. The video board's a perfect An example. An example, right. Which we did ask the city to help us with. Um, they said no, so we had to do it ourselves to be in compliance this year. You know, so there is a big difference in, in, in that we may make them and that we're required to make them. And we're just asking the city to update their facility. It is their facility. They own the stadium. And uh, we want to keep baseball here. I, we love Dickie Stevens Park. Mm-hmm. We don't want to leave. But at the end of the day, if Major League Baseball asks us to look at other options, and that's what we're going to have to do. Outline some of the improvements that are going to have to be made over all, the next few years. All new LED lighting. Mm. We need a new female locker room. Um, bigger that's for female umpires. Basically. Well, we have we actually have three female staff members this year. Okay, we have a, two trainers and then the video coordinator. Okay, and then uh, the, I don't believe there's any female umpires yet, but almost every mm-hmm. team in the Texas League has a female on staff. Okay, which is awesome. I mean that's that's fantastic. And so, All right, we, so LED lights, female locker yep, room, and we've got a 
enlarge the visiting locker room and the cafeteria in there as well. It's just not big enough. Weight room needs to be bigger. All new field, you know, which is a totally separate issue. The sinkholes mm-hmm. in the field needs mm-hmm. to be completely I'll get into replaced. that in a minute. Let's. And then we need a brand new BP facility. That brand new facility, it's in center field right now, and we've got to move it closer to the clubhouses. Bullpen. Bullpen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got all up there. And so yeah. we've got to, you know, have the indoor batting cages up there. Well, again, and a lot of this coming down from New York, basically because these are players that potentially are worth, if they make it to the bigs, many, many millions of dollars. All of this is to make life easier on the players. That's what they're it that's is. what they're trying to do, right? Exactly. Now. That is exactly what they're trying to do. Just make it easier and make them used to what they have, you know, in their entire career from college all the way up to the major league level. And uh, you're basically now in no position to say, "Well, we we can't do this." I mean, there there, as you mentioned, more than forty teams that lost their affiliation that would love to have a team back. And a lot of those teams lost it because of their facilities. Mm-hmm. You know, just to be quite frank, a lot of them lost it because of the way the facility was. And we have tremendous facilities. Uh, we're in a tremendous location. Um, but at the end of the day, we we got to make these improvements. We'll be back with more of the Southern Fried Podcast. But first, this break. Hi, Rex Nelson here. Thanks for listening so far. A lot of the topics we cover here on the Southern Fried Podcast and many more can be found on the pages of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. If you'd like to support this great newspaper's commitment to bringing you the latest in Arkansas news, sports, and entertainment, consider subscribing to the Democrat Gazette today. With your subscription, you'll get a digital edition of the newspaper every morning, along with the latest news and updates delivered to you on an iPad, provided at no extra cost. For just $34 a month, you'll get the same award-winning journalism you've come to expect from the Democrat Gazette, including my three weekly columns, plus exclusive photo galleries, videos, articles, and digital extras all in the palm of your hand. To sign up today, call 1-800-482-1121 or visit us online at arkansasonline.com forward slash subscribe. Welcome back to the Southern Fried Podcast, a production of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. All right, let's get into the sinkholes. I mean, people who follow the Travelers, follow the history of Dickie Stevens Park, know that was an ongoing problem over a few years. Um, and I know there are things the general public hadn't read about, but didn't seem the last few years to have been a big problem. But still, a lot of work needing to be done. Is that correct? Yeah, I think a misconception that's out there is that these sinkholes started in 2019. That that's not entirely true. We, we've had them since we've been there, and the the worst ones were in 2016. 16. And the city was made aware of that. We asked them to, to fix those in 16. As of today, they are still not fixed, and and we absolutely need to get those those fixed. Our our fields just just unlevel. I do get calls from Seattle every now and then in MLB, you know, just kind of asking for an update on that. Because, mm-hmm. again, like you, you referenced earlier, there's, you know, guys out there making $2 million a year. Yeah, they don't want to break in a leg, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. And, and there's been times that, you know, guys have not wanted to play because of, of the field, and, and some guys haven't. Um, and the only reason we have not missed a game is because of Greg Johnston. Um, mm-hmm. There have been sinkholes happened during the game. That he's filled in that very he's quickly. filled in. There was – uh, in 2019, our entire office shut down, and I was going across the state picking up sod in my truck 
to make sure we played wow. the game the next day. Uh, it was all hands on deck, but we didn't miss a game. And I'm, I'm proud of our staff for that because we easily could have. So what has to be done? Walk me through the steps that's going to fix this, hopefully. So Black & Veatch is an engineering company that City of North Little Rock hired. They basically, what we've got to do is just redirect the water before it gets to the stadium. And that's done through these well systems. Uh, mm-hmm. There needs to be about 10 wells put around the stadium that will pump this water out before it ever gets to the ballpark. Because the ballpark is dug down so deep that right. that water is right there. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it's right there. We actually have a little well system in center field. If you lift up a hatch, you can see the river. See the I mean, that's yeah. how close it is. And so it's got to pump this away from it because what happens is when there's a flood and that water rises, it's fine. But when it starts to fall, it sucks all the dirt out. And that's mm-hmm. what causes those sinkholes. And now what we're seeing is not just problems on the field. We're actually seeing them in the infrastructure of the stadium. Everybody's safe. We're fine. But we've had to do some work, especially in our beer garden area down there, mm-hmm. uh, to to make sure that that doesn't continue to happen because some of the infrastructure is starting to get damaged. So things well. like foundation cracks Correct. we're talking yes, about? Yes, yeah. exactly. And we've had to pump foam underneath the concrete to fill in those sinkholes. Let me talk about, before we run out of time, a little bit about uh, your background. How did you, you get into this kind of work? I know you come from a baseball family. Bat boy to Ray Winder uh, <laughs> back in the day. Uh, Demetri Young's probably my all-time favorite traveler. You know, I, I have so many fond memories of Ray Winder and catching foul balls out there. But grew up around baseball. Always knew I wanted to work in it. I went to the U of A. Really? That was something you just knew from the start? Something from the start. I knew I wanted business. to work in. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same size I am now, so I knew I could never play. Right. Uh, but I enjoyed it. I never played in college, just in high school. And then I got into scouting. I scouted for the Philadelphia Phillies for a couple years. All right. I went you to, went, let me back up. You went to University of Arkansas, yep. right? Major yep. in what? I majored in communications. Communications, mm-hmm. there. I was a communications major, too. I like that. There we go. I worked <laughs> for the Naturals for a year up okay. there. It's a beautiful stadium. They do a great it job. Is. And then I went to Arizona and went into scouting school mm-hmm. uh, in 2011, and I scouted for about a year and a half with the Philadelphia Phillies. I was a part-time scout. I just had all of Arkansas, but I had colleges and high school, and I loved it. So you were on the road about every day. I was on the road a lot. Yeah. yeah, and when I met my wife, I was like, i got to <laughs> change careers, I think, <laughs> yeah. a little bit. So and they'd be gone every day yeah, yeah. for baseball season. But that was fun. So, I mean, I you know, and I, I always wanted to be on that side of baseball, and then I, I transitioned over to the business side, and – I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, minor league baseball is is so awesome and so fun to be around, and just the smile on kids' faces. You know, I've got two little girls now, and they think they run that ballpark when they come visit, and just being able just to be around it. And like I said earlier, just the intimacy of minor league baseball is something special. You get to see potential Hall of Famers come through. Not only are we cheaper than major league baseball prices, but where you can be closer. There's not a bad seat. And you get to see these future Hall of Famers, future All Stars play, you know, in these small towns. And that's something special about that. You know, backing up to what we talked about, uh you do, though, here sitting in the middle of the country now have to keep folks on both coasts happy. You're a Seattle affiliate, so you got to keep those folks happy. Now you're reporting Major League Baseball in New York. So you're talking to both coasts on, I, I suspect, practically a daily basis. Yeah, at times I don't think it's confusing sometimes <laughs> for me. But, yeah, almost daily, especially this time of year. I spoke with the GM of the Mariners uh, yesterday, Jerry DePoto, yeah. and uh, just kind of wishing each other good luck on the starts of the season. And, yeah, we, we, we touch base all the time. Mariners are so good to us. I mean, they. I was going to ask you about that. Um, in those like me who know the history of the Travelers, grew up, of course, uh, for many years with a Cardinal affiliation, uh, 
back before I can remember, because I was tiny, but of course the Travelers actually were a AAA team for a couple of years, had a Philadelphia affiliation, so it hadn't been the Cardinals forever, but many years, and then went with Anaheim and and Seattle. Uh, talk talk a little bit about those changes and why Seattle is such a good fit, in your opinion. Yeah, I think, you know, Jerry DePoto is the GM of the Mariners now. He was the GM of the Angels for mm-hmm. the last few years, and we were with them. And so when our time with the Angels was, was up and we were feeling the need to potentially make a change, it was very easy for us. Jerry and them were in Jackson, Tennessee. Yes. That was a little far from the airport for them. They wanted to make a change. He knew what he had here. It was really easy for us. I mean, they're just unbelievable to us. They send us great players. They send us uh, minor league rehab guys. You know, they communicate well and they take care of us. And they really support us. An example of that is in October of last year, they were the first team to ever do this. They basically did a minor league summit where they invited myself, Sophie, and two or three staff members from every minor league team, invited us up to Seattle. And we met with all the major league business people in baseball and just talked about ideas and shared ideas. And we got to take batting practice on their field. And it was just really awesome to be able to do that. I mean, so we really are a family, and they, they preach that and they live that out. And, uh, and I, I think that's something special that the Mariners have going on. They're tremendous people. You know, one thing I have always loved about minor league baseball is the mix of people. Uh, I've got my same seat I've had for years, as you know, and I like to watch the people go by people watch as much as I baseball watch at a game I kind of compare it to another reason I like thoroughbred racing you know because you you will have uh, some guy that just uh, you know wandered out of the frontier bar across the street standing next to a millionaire you know at the track and they have the same interest uh, talking to each other baseball you've got your really hardcore fans and I can see them with their scorebooks over there, their copy of Baseball America over there, reading about players. But the the biggest part of your crowd, I would suggest that most of those people, a lot of them don't stay to the end of games. Even the ones that they that do don't even remember the score, may not even know who won. One of the things about minor league baseball is it's so much about family entertainment. So. You're juggling a lot of balls. Like I said, you're keeping Seattle happy. You're keeping Major League Baseball now happy, providing a good experience with these players. But the big thing is you've got to provide, and I know you and your staff strive to do that, really the cleanest, safest, most fun family entertainment in the state. Absolutely. And we we try – it keeps our our creative part of our brain working, right, because we have so many people that we have to, to market to. But we really, a few years ago, really, really kind of changed our focus to that family and just really focusing on families. And this is a place you can come and feel safe and it's clean, clean bathrooms, good food, plenty of places for the kids to go. You know, that's why we've got that new water park and the train rolling around and those type of things. And just to really create that atmosphere for the family. But then also go to the guys that want to come with their buddies and just have a couple beers in the beer garden and a new Nathan's hot dog and just hang out for two or three innings and then go somewhere else. To the diehard fans, like you said, they, they don't miss a game. They're there yeah. more than me, I feel like, sometimes, <laughs> and keeping score. And I, I'm a weirdo. I listen to the postgame show on the way home. You know, I, I get all the minor league scores. I get the major league scores. You know, I, I'm one of those weirdos that actually like the baseball. But I'm right when I say that a lot of people leave that stadium never knowing who won, right? They're out there for a fun night out. People come, they don't even know who we're playing, you know. <laughs> but that's awesome. I yeah. love that. It's like, you know, they're coming not even just for baseball. It's just the entertainment part. You know, I really look at it as we, we put on 69 different events every single year. 
yes, there's games. Yes, that's our focus. Without the players, we don't have this. But we really look at it as a separate event um, to really, you know, promote and market for, for the central Arkansas and the entire state of Arkansas. We, we draw from all over Arkansas, uh, not just central Arkansas. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm super, super excited about this year. I think I've never been more excited about a season than I am. Our staff is unbelievable. I think we have one of the best we've ever had. Uh, as far as front office goes, we continue to have Steven on the radio. I I, I think he's. One, I, I one was going to hit on two things. One, I mentioned listening to the post game show. As you know, I've dabbled in broadcasting for many decades. Uh, a, you're moved to FM this year, which is great, a stronger signal. And B, I really think you have one of the best play by play men in all of professional baseball. I don't disagree with you at all. Uh, I keep thinking we're going to lose him every year. Yeah, you know, we, yeah, team, we yeah. actually He's full-time now. He was yeah. always part-time. We made him full-time. It was part to make sure he stays here, hopefully. And uh, he, he's great. He handles all the travel for us, too. So he, he's not just a radio guy. But, yeah, he's one of the best in the game. And switching to 93.3 this year, we're really excited about that, being on the FM station. Just better range. And just we've always wanted to be on an FM station. We're going to try it out this season. But, yeah, again, that's just one of about 30 new things I feel like we have going on this season. And the other thing I wanted to mention before we go, because it's still unusual in professional sports. You're the CEO, but your general manager is one of the few female general managers in professional sports, right? She's one of four, I know, in minor league baseball out of 120 teams. Um, There's a few assistant GMs, but, yeah, and she's only 28, but she is awesome. She's very, very smart, and she's very good at what she does. She's been with us for this is going on her sixth season. Uh, she's been around baseball all her life. She's a huge Cardinals fan, uh, <laughs> but she's she's great. So Sophie does an unbelievable job, and then John, our assistant GM, and Ben, our assistant GM, you know, they they hold it together. So. Yeah. We've got a good thing going on. Wonderful. You really do. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'll see you at Dickie Stevens Park. I cannot wait. All right. Rusty Meek, CEO of the Arkansas Travelers, as baseball is ready to begin in Central Arkansas. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Southern Fried Podcast. I'm Rex Nelson of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. We'll see you the next time around.